Hey, Brian Barney here. Another episode of the podcast, uh, getting it out. It's uh, Thursday here. Boy, I sure wanted to get this thing out a touch earlier, but i just been so busy um, just with work and then kids and basketball and, and everything else. Um, so trying to squeeze in the time for it. Uh, finally found some time today, so we're going to get this thing out. And, and on today's episode, um, I just I want to talk about this last trip I had um, out for, for rutting up mule deer. And, and, and within talking about this, there's a bunch of great tips. Uh, you know, hunting is just always learning and always evolving. And it's it's picking up on, on some of the, the smaller things on a hunt, you know, what's working and what's not working. And so... Um, you know, I think this podcast will be filled with great information, you know, how to find mature bucks and, and little tips. And, you know, hopefully you guys can learn from some of my mistakes and, as well as, as some of my um, successes. So uh, I just want to start off. Uh, so I so I had this trip plan and, and headed out. Um, I'm in Montana here and I had my mule deer tag. And so headed out uh, eastern Montana. The populations are just really high of mule deer out there. So I've got a good chance to go harvest a, a good mature mule deer with my bow during rifle season, which you know, I, I just love using the bow and getting close and thinking in that bow hunter's mindset. And so um, I called up one of my buddies or a guy that I, I'm just kind of getting to know and, and now I consider as one of my friends, but um, Zach Harold that does the, the Archery Maniacs podcast. And so he had offered quite a while ago uh, to come up and film um, for this late season hunt. And so I called him up and said, well, I got this weekend. I think I'm going to go, you know, I can probably only do the weekend, May week of Friday in there with it and, and uh how things went i i was not able to get in there on friday i was i had to work most of a day on friday but but anyway zach jumped at the opportunity and said yeah i'd love to film you um so we met up uh we met up over in billings over there and and uh um and uh rode over out to the hunting spot and and uh so we rode out there and and uh, got out to this spot. And this spot, I've been looking on this spot on maps and Google Earth forever. I, you know, for at least the past year, I've been thinking about it, but probably the last two or three years. And and a lot of times out there, I do a mobile truck camp where I, I sleep at my truck and then I make day hunts back into country. And, and I have day hunted around this area. And, and we've actually harvested between me and, and some of my friends and family I've been down there with. We've harvested quite a few bucks around this area, you know, and just in different portions. But but really miles away from where I wanted to head in at. Um, so I, I have this spot and I've been looking at it and it's just a bunch of BLM and state land that kind of goes in really good good looking mule deer country and it it kind of gets away from the access points where there's only one access that goes way in and then accesses ac- accesses gosh. Um, just a, a pile of land out there, you know, it, it opens up. So you've got this mile stretch where you kind of go in there and then it opens up into this big island of, of public land that you can't get to from any other way. And so I've been looking at it and just thinking, man, I think that spot would be good. And I think there's mature bucks in there. And so finally I just committed, which is tough for me because I've got a bunch of good spots out there. So, you know, I know I can go out there for a weekend and find a decent four point and and get stocks and so it's kind of like putting all your all your eggs in one basket you know that you're really gambling this spot's going to be good because I wanted to backpack in there and carry a light backpack and if there's no deer in there you know then then you know I pretty much spent my weekend in there but it was just worth the gamble for me I just um I knew it was going to be good in there and so 
Um, I met up with Zach. We drove out and and uh, got down there and and uh, got to the spot where we were going to take off and hike. And it was oh maybe nine o'clock at night or something like that, maybe ten. And so we just loaded up our packs and left in the dark. Never never been there. I think I I drove down there one time and made a small hunt around there, but had pretty much never seen the country we were heading into. I just had a plan off a map and a, a plan off, off Google Earth. And so we loaded up our packs and took off in the middle of the night, kind of going across um, this country in there. And I, I didn't want to get in too far because I wanted to look at it in the daylight and, and look And the first drainage that we were headed to looked really good. And so, um, we got in there and I, I don't know, we maybe made a couple, couple miles or something like that and, and set up camp and figured we'd sleep there and then wake up in the morning and see what was around us. So we woke up in the morning and it's Saturday eastern montana on a general season rifle tag so i mean you're expecting some guys to be around we're not that far from the truck but there was there was just nobody around in this big drainage it's it's this huge deep sagebrush um kind of scattered trees drainage with just a bunch of um like like smaller fingers that come out into it It, it's just perfect mule deer country i couldn't woke up in better mule deer country and so um we start glassing around and, and, uh, you know, the, the lights are coming on and glassing around and, you know, it's never, you know, you kind of, you kind of pick out a deer here and pick out a deer there and you just keep seeing more and more. But I think we saw maybe five or six bucks there in the morning and maybe 30 does, something like that. Really good hunting. And, and looked down and we spotted this one real heavy next level buck that was definitely five years old or older and, and just really heavy forks on him. And, and he wasn't the widest buck in the world, but he was big and heavy and old. And, and so instantly knew it was a shooter. And, and there was another four point buck in the group that was pretty good as well. Dang near as good as this buck, just maybe a year younger or something like that, but, but a nice four point, um, so, so we kind of watched these bucks and these does and we kind of were watching them quite a ways off, like maybe a mile off or mile and a half off, something like that. And they're, they're down in the bottom of this draw and, and the bucks really ruddy. Everything was super rutted up. It was the perfect timing for the rut. And, uh, so we watched this buck trying to, you know, he could disappear from us if he goes to his bed, but you almost got to keep an eye on him and see where he's headed and see what he's doing until you get a chance to kind of close the distance and close into, um, you know, what I like to think is, is strike striking distance. So you get like a little bit closer to a different vantage point where you can still see the buck, but you're a heck of a lot closer and get to him with less time. So it's not going to take you, you know, half an hour to get to the buck. You can get to him in five minutes if he makes a mistake there. And, and uh, so we waited and glassed around, saw, saw a smaller four-point down below us with a two-by-three. They were rutting does. Boy, I think we could have killed that four-point. But like I say, I was trying to hold off of those three-year-old deer, you know, just looking for a little bit bigger, more mature buck was my goal on this hunt. Um, so so we let that buck go, or we didn't make a stock on him. He was right down below us working this feature. So we, we backed out and around trying not to spook any deer. Um, I just always like it on a hunt if I can not blow everything up in the drainage. And who knows with those does in there, you could have a big mature buck show up with them. And, but anyway, so we, we went back around and we got the, the right window of time where that buck was down on kind of a sagebush flat. 
um, right down below us down there, which I thought gave us enough time to make it to this next vantage point in striking distance of the buck where we could keep an eye on them. And so we bailed off there and got to that new vantage point and popped over the top. And sure enough, there he was, you know, he was just down there rutting those does and just big, heavy, nice forked deer. And so we just watched, we played it right, played it patient. It felt like the thermals were going down the draw and, and thermal winds, I've probably talked about it before, but you know, the thermal winds down in these draws in the morning when the sun comes up, the cooler air is dropping as it's cool. And so your thermals most of the time are coming down the hill and we're up, up the draw from this buck. And so there's no play, but we're up on one of these fingers up high where he can't catch our, our wind or our wind isn't going to him. Um, as the valley floor starts to warm up and that warm air starts to rise and all of a sudden those thermals will switch around and come up the draw and they'll be fairly consistent. And there wasn't many directional winds where we were there. And so we were pretty much playing the thermals and so we just kept really pray, uh, patient. You know, there was an approach on that buck, but I didn't feel good about the wind. So we just we just bided our time and just watched that buck and figured, well, we're going to let him bed down and then make a play. And we watched him, I don't know, getting later in the morning, 9, 10 o'clock. Now we've watched this buck for two, three hours. We've repositioned on him. We're in good striking distance. And, and all of a sudden, these does start heading uphill to this draw I don't think they're going to go to. And in this draw, there's quite a bit of cover and timber. And then here comes this buck, and he's following this hot doe. And they drop into the bottom of this draw, which is just green grass, and then start feeding around and rutting around right in there. And so I looked at Zach. I said, man, this is our time to strike. This is it. Because this buck, you know, a lot of times I like to let them bed down. But if you can't see where they're bed down, then it's not high percentage. You know, if you don't see exactly where they bed down, then you either got to still hunt where you think they're at, or the best play is to wait till evening till they come back out. But um, with this buck just down in this bottom in this little... Uh, draw or this micro draw that comes down into the big draw uh, man this is this is our opportunity it's right now we can beat him in in less than five minutes and, and kill this buck he's right down there in the bottom he can't see our approach you know this is perfect so we um, gathered up our stuff or, or we took our packs just around the hill dumped our packs and we were into him in no time and just slowly creeping in um, no sound, you know, because we were moving slow enough. Um, wind was great. We had those thermals had switched around, um, just creeping in. And, and all of a sudden to about a hundred yards of that draw or a hundred yards across the draw. So now we're like 50, 60 to the bottom of the draw, almost shooting distance of this buck. This buck squirts out of that bottom. And I, I still don't know what happened on this stock if he had, you know, couldn't have heard us. We were dead silent. Couldn't have smelled us. You know, the only thing I'm thinking is maybe there was a doe on that side hill or something that, that caught our movement, that saw us, that alerted him. And so all of a sudden he's up on the side of the draw. And uh, say he's about 100 yards across that draw. And so instantly I just kind of put a tree in between me and him. But I was lower where I couldn't see the buck's face. And I think Zach was up above a little bit where that buck had a little bit better view. So when we sidestepped, we instantly alerted him that we were there. And I tried to make 25 yards and ride... You know, as I, I think I was trying to make 30 yards, I was trying to get, you know, into my effective shooting range or, or there close. And so we got the, the 30 yards and I kind of slid outside the tree and he knew we were there. He he bounded off before, you know, any of the other does and bounded over the hillside. And I thought, dang it, we messed it up. So, you know, on that stock, 
I, you know, it was, we were patient up above and we waited on them. I felt like that was the perfect time to strike, which I think it was. You know, I don't know if something just caught us there or maybe it was even he was squirting out of the draw and then didn't even know we were there. And when I sidestepped to that tree and Zach sidestepped to that tree, caught that movement, and we alerted him they were, we were there. You know, I think if I had to play it again, and I'm always trying to learn from my stocks and just get better, you know, learn from my mistakes and get better. And, you know, I think maybe I wanted it too much or, you know, I, I, that sidestep move, try to get the tree in between us and get that last 30 yards right now and shoot them. You know, I, I, I don't know that that was the right move. I probably should have just held still and just seen what that buck did and reassess the situation. Cause I know he didn't hear me. You know, I know he didn't smell me. And even if he's looking in my direction, if I just hold still there and we held still, like he's probably going to go back to what he's doing, or if he does leave, he's not going to leave the country and spook, you know. He He's just going to be a little nervous, go over the hill, and then start being a rutted up buck again. So I do think my mistake came right in that, you know, when I saw him right at 100 yards or a little bit less or whatever and tried to sidestep and then gain that last 30, 40 yards and try to get a shot right there, you know, I think that was my mistake on the stock if, I, if I'm being honest with myself and the situation but it is what it is and you're not going to win every time when you're stalking animals and that's one of the big misconceptions is that you know i i go out there and see the buck i want and i get it right on the first stalk and sometimes that does happen and i do get my stock right on the first try but a lot of times i i fail you know just because these these bucks you're matching wits with these things that live in this environment and, and they're wily and they have good instincts and they just um they're good at picking you off and they're good at winning the game and if it wasn't spooking that buck maybe it's a different deer that sees you or you spook a deer getting to him or there's just so many scenarios that can go wrong and so for me I'm just trying to get quality stocks and quality opportunities and when I see a high percentage chance I go for it if it's low percentage I don't stock recklessly and I sit back and I wait for a better opportunity and so it's with this knowledge and with with this learning, you kind of learn when to make your moves and when not to. So I really felt like we made the right move, but but busted this buck out. And so we get that buck bounds off and the does kind of go up there and the does kind of hung around. They weren't too jumpy or too nervous or anything. And so me and Zach kind of talked about it and said, well, let's just wrap around this hill here and just see if this buck went around the corner and stopped around the corner and, you know, in the next draw over, see if we can see where he goes. Sometimes they go back to being deer and can pick him off. And I really didn't see it, think we'd see that buck again. And, and all of a sudden we get around the corner and look up and that buck staring at us up above. He had, he had not gone that far. And this was 20, 30 minutes later. We just snuck around the edge and there's that buck looking at us and, and he's 125 up the hill or something. And, and uh, so we just froze and then he, he went over top of the hill. And so uh, we kind of took Chase up to the top of the hill thinking if we can get to where he just was, you know, maybe we can see him there. And we get up there and see him down in the timber about 60 yards, not him, some of his does looking for him, looking for him. And, and they're kind of getting out of there now and going up the draw. And then he crosses on the other side of the draw from us. And, and so we, we go to the top and we try to race and cut off a little bit you know, got a little bit more aggressive than I like to. I like a plotted out, planned stock, you know, but 
But two, you know, you're you're just trying to make an opportunity happen, and the Bucks been spooked, and it's like, well, if you can get to where he was and maybe see where he goes, or maybe see, you know, where he takes his dose, he might you might get another chance at him, or or you might beat him to the spot too. You never know. And so we were just trying to trying to make something happen there, and and uh, get up to the top, and he's nowhere to be found. And we walk out to the ledge of the next big draw, and can't find him anywhere in glass around, and we kind of talk about it and. Saying, well, that that other buck that went up the hill, he was a good 160 inch deer and four year old deer. So I said, you know, I, he's he's right at the right at the minimum of what I shoot, right at the minimum of what I'm looking at. He's a good buck. I'd love to get a chance at him. And so we had kind of watched where this other buck went. He split off. The other four point had split off from this this big heavy four point. And so we thought, well, let's go back and see if we can't relocate him. And so went back and grabbed our packs and. Um, got a vantage point looking for that buck and we just couldn't pick him out in the thick stuff and we really wanted to take our camp and move out um, a few draws out further where I wanted to go and I just knew there was bigger deer out there and so we kind of looked for him for a while and it didn't pan out and um, so then we thought well uh, let's let's go we'll ditch our packs here and let's go over and we'll try to glass in that micro draw kind of across from it where we think he's bedded maybe pick him out we either see him or we don't you know it's it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a risk that we're going to spook this buck because we're going in close to where he's at trying to look for him and it isn't quite still hunting but it's it's kind of like we're going to get right inside his bedroom looking for him and anything can happen and I know we you know we could spook him or whatever and so we roll over there and sure enough that's what we do we just get over there he must have heard us coming through the sage you know we kind of got we weren't even quite to where we thought he was and he bounced out of his bed and he had lost his does he was by himself and he just started rolling country and so we tried to get a vantage point to kind of watch where he went and we we ended up seeing he caught up with a few more does and then started rutting these does around kicked the other buck out of the herd and so we thought boy you know we might get a scenario at him and so we we roll up on this draw and at, at this point, you know, we're we're headed we're headed back towards the truck. We're only we're we're less than a mile from the truck. We're closer than we slept the night before back in but this drainage is so good and there's bucks there. I mean you can't complain if you're on deer. So we kinda of roll back and and uh, get over to that draw and we're waiting for this buck. And um and then all of a sudden I, I spot him up the hill and he's with a doe and they're kind of up the draw. And so we kind of were there waiting on him, you know, just seeing what'll happen. And another, uh, a hunter came over the hill from the roadside hunting kind of middle of the day, a weird time for a guy to be hunting. And, and you got to say, you kind of expect it. Like we walk, work back to the road. We're less than a mile from the road. It's like, well, you know, that's, that's public lands, a lot of general season tags, like no big deal. And so the buck ended up being right below this guy where he's walking over and the buck had to be within side a hundred yards. And this guy had a rifle. And so to, you know, you do the respectful thing and you just sit down and go, well, let's just watch this play out. You know, it, his buck may come back down this draw at us or this guy might kill him or whatever, but we can't really get up and walk away right now at this point and blow up the whole scenario and blow up this guy's hunt. That's not what I'm in there for either. So we watched this guy come down and he's coming down the draw and pretty soon, I mean, he's 75 yards from this deer or so. And, uh, all of a sudden the guy sees us crouching down there, can't see the deer right down below him. I don't know if it's just over the rise. So this guy kind of sees us and, and we're both in orange and sitting there on the, on the side hill down below, maybe 300 yards away from this guy or so, you know, 
and the guy pulls up his gun on me to look at me through the scope and instantly my temper goes through the roof and I'll I'll put up with a lot but I do not put up with guys looking at me through the through my scope and so instantly I jump to my feet and start waving my arms and you know it's just crazy to have somebody point a scope a gun at you there's just there's no excuse for it and and the guy saw me waving my arms and then hurries up and puts his gun down and and then throws his binos up on me and Man, I mean, I just, I don't want any confrontation or I don't, but there's just, there's no place for that in the woods. You don't need to be looking at guys through a scope, especially not when they're wearing orange and down there, you know, down below them and within rifle range. And God, it just made me so mad to, to have somebody do that to me. You you want to walk up and give them a piece of your mind, you know, but you just, just go, you know, what what's it really going to accomplish? What's it really going to do? You know, I'm, so when I stood up and waved my arms, I blew up that deer out of there and the does out of there and they went running out. Guy didn't get a shot. You know, I still don't know if he saw the deer just in the position they were down below him there. And so the deer spook out and we go, well, that's, that's it for that scenario, you know, and I'm still venting and still heated about this guy. And so instantly I'm just like, get me out of here. Get me out of this draw with these hunters in it. You know, I, I don't... And I know we're all out there just trying to enjoy the same thing. And, and I, I don't mind having hunting pressure and I don't mind seeing other hunters, but, but that just ruined me on the whole scenario, having a guy point his rifle at me. And so, um, instantly I just said, Zach, let's go grab our packs. Let's get back to that far drainage. I know there'll be no hunters back there. It's far enough back where we're not going to see anybody by this time. It's middle of the day, two, three o'clock, whatever. And, so we, we go back to our packs and grab our packs and start heading to this back country and we're gonna we're gonna go to this back country and try to find a good buck and and uh, you know I've only got I mean I've got a day and a half I've got Saturday and half a Sunday and so you know trying to get a, get a buck and then get a buck on film during general drive I mean I've I've got a tall order in it you know I've kind of put myself in this situation just because I've taken so much time early into Alaska that all I'm left with is weekend trips where you really wish that you had you know at least like a couple four day weekends or five day weekends where you could really take your time but. I'm used to these weekend hunts and this weekend warrior hunting and so you know you just got to push hard and go for it and don't get reckless but but push hard so anyways we grab our packs and we're super light like under 30 pounds with spotting scope and camera gear and everything you know and and just enough to sleep for the night we've got all our water there's no water in that country so we've got enough water to survive and and food and so we grab our packs and start heading out and boy we're just hiking along putting miles behind us finally we're starting to get away from the pressure and we come up this one draw and I see this doe up this draw and and, uh, she doesn't see us yet and and she's just up in this draw and it's the middle of the rut I mean most of the does we've seen have had a buck with them did I think she had a buck with her no I I really didn't I thought it was a couple does up and through there but I start playing it safe and we start sneaking up on her and we're a couple hundred yards away and finally get a tree in between her and us and kind of put some distance and get a little bit closer and all of a sudden we see another deer and another deer in there and keep looking and um one doe kind of had us pegged out in the open and so we had to wait gosh 15 20 minutes of just holding still and her staring at us but you know if you don't move these deer don't you know they they don't see as danger you're not trying to move towards them and they really pick up on movement as far as danger you know more so than your camo pattern i've just always believed that and so you know if if a deer gets eyes on you you hold totally still and they don't see you and so we had to do that for 20 minutes or so and finally this doe went behind a tree and kept sneaking and kept sneaking and 
and uh, finally get up there to kind of right in the middle of those deer and we're in bow range and all of a sudden I see the buck and it's that great big buck from the morning the big heavy one so he had given us a slip and not crossed the drainage where we had looked for him and gone into this micro drainage and bedded down and he's right there and he's kind of staring down at us and so I kind of try to get a range all I can see is his head and his face and I get set up for a shot and um I and so here's another one of my mistakes. It's just uh, like, and hunting is just full of mistakes that you learn from. Well, I didn't have an arrow knocked. I hadn't seen a buck in there. We were just kind of sneaking to get closer to see what was in there. And all of a sudden I have this buck right above me. And so I've got to knock my arrow, clip my release, you know, and that all takes extra time. But so I knock my arrow, clip my release. And uh, this buck's sitting out there and he's staring down at me. And I grab a couple ranges on him. And I think I've got a pretty good range. And, and then he steps out broadside and um, so so I draw back and put my pin on him and pull, pull, pull and execute my shot, get the whole thing on film. And I, I'm not sure if I hit him or not. I told Zach, as long as I had a good range, I nailed him. The shot executed perfect. He was inside my effective range and we kind of play back the tape and couldn't really see and we go up there and look and oh man, I had, I had shot over this deer. Um, I had a bad range. I, I, God, range finding is such a huge part of the bow hunting game, and it's so overlooked. And I, I have made so many mistakes with my range finder. My whole last podcast was all about making your shot and shot execution, and and uh, and, and then I just totally airball my chance at this big heavy four that I wanted. You know, oh man, I just I'm beside myself. But you know, it's a clean miss, which you know. All you got to do is dust off your arrow, put it back in your quiver and get over it, you know, because you, you didn't make a bad hit and, and it's kind of like a clean slate, but boy, it's hard to get that out of your brain, you know, and I, I ranged back down where we were standing and looked at it and I mean, I had to be off by six, eight yards by the way I shot over this thing and I, I don't know. Man, I mean, it all happened so quick and that range finding and I was trying to shoot the buck's face or right at his horns and I think... I think my rangefinder just hit back behind him and hit the grass. And this is another thing where, you know, I when he stepped out broadside, uh, the right move would have been to grab the correct range, take those two, three extra seconds, grab the correct range, and that deer would have been dead. Um, I know he would have. I, I know I executed a perfect shot. I know I kept pulling on my shot. But, but in the moment... You almost think, well, I got, I got a range, you know, I, you're almost just counting the seconds and sometimes you make those moves and you try to get another range and those were the extra few seconds that the, gives the buck time to get out of there and he sees you and he's out of there. And so it's this balance between trying to have the enough information and, and, uh, uh to make your shot. And I thought I had, a, had a decent range, but I just didn't, I must've, it must've ranged the grass behind him and I didn't have a good range and airballed that buck and. Oh man, it just um, makes you sick when you miss. You just you practice and and uh, get good at your execution and think you've got it all going. And now all of a sudden you you airball like I airballed on my elk hunt, you know. And so now this is a a reoccurring pattern where before that I had been three for three or uh, four for four, three for three I think before my elk. Um, three arrows loose, three animals killed, and then that elk happened, and I missed him. I missed two elk, and then killed my bull. And now this mule deer. I've started off this hunt on Saturday. I finally got this opportunity that we created in the middle of the day, and I've airballed this thing. And God, I just um, 
It's beside myself, but there's nothing you can do. All you can do is pick yourself up and go find another buck. And we talked about it, and you know, just those learning lessons. That rangefinder is so important. And I've I run the Nikon Archer's Max rangefinder, and it's done good for me. It's got a powerful laser. It does angle compensation up and down. Um, this is the Generation Three. I've had both the Generation One and Generation Two, but. I think you get the best rangefinder you can get, you know, just that gives you the most accurate readings. And I've used some that give you different, they give you different readings on light and dark targets. You know, this Nikon has a last, last target priority and first target priority, I think they call it. So last target priority, you're supposed to be able to shoot through some grass and, and shoot through some stuff. And it, it, it has done good for me. It's just not... It's not a. It's not the perfect rangefinder. I'll say that it's the best one I found and the best one that I've used for archery hunting. And so I believe in it. I know it gives me good ranges on my targets, but it's got its limitations. And I, I'm almost thinking like that Leica would be a good one. I, I just gotta test it out. I think it's got a more powerful laser on it. I think it does angle compensation now. You know, I don't know. I just have to get it and try it out. But I mean, it wasn't the rangefinder's fault. I. All the all the fault falls directly on me and my range finder finding abilities. But it's like I say, it's such a huge part of the bow hunting game that we never really work on it all. You never work on it unless you're stalking a big game animal, trying to get a range on them, and then you're trying to peek over a grassy hillside and you keep getting five yards, five yards, you know, on the on the goddamn grass in front of you. You know, nothing torques you more. So, um, you know, I think it's a part of my game. You know that now nowadays I think I'm getting pretty good at, but just like then I I still make mistakes. One of my elk I missed was because of well both of them that I think I missed was because of my rangefinder. The one I rangefinded him had a good range and he took a few steps and I didn't account for it and I shot low. You know the other one I had rangefinded a a tree and, and he spooked out of there and I had no time to get another range. It was either shoot now or don't shoot and I guessed at it and guessed guessed wrong. But um. God, it's such a major part of the game that, you know, I'm almost thinking now that that's, that's probably my weak point of shooting. And so how do I work on that? How do I practice that? Well, definitely hunting and hunting scenarios is a good way to practice and practice on, on does that I see or cows that I see or target animals that I'm not going to shoot, getting ranges on them and good ranges on them and trying to pay attention to it. And, and, you know, I'm not even sure if I can go out and maybe, you know, and I'm just thinking about this on the fly as I'm talking now, but almost going out and practicing with my rangefinder as I'm out in the field practicing with my rangefinder more, grabbing yardages just over the hillside where I don't expose myself and I just working on it a little bit more because you can always get better. And I'd say if there is one weak part of my shooting game right now, you know, it's my range finding game. And I, I know I can do it and know I can accomplish it. Maybe it's just a matter of me taking more time or making sure I have a good range. And, and just like my shots, I never let a bad shot go. I won't force an execution. I won't, you know, force my trigger to go off. I'm going to sit there and pull on it and and I think I've got to have that same mindset with my rangefinder that I am not going to guess at yardage and I'm not going to shoot unless I am absolutely positive I have a good range. And if I can't have a good range and execute a good shot, it's not worth taking the shot because it's not worth missing. And, and that's just anyways, that's my new mindset that I'm kind of thinking of or where I can improve my game. And so um, anyways, miss that buck. You know, and it's still three in the afternoon, and so we just keep going back. And I mean, this spot is just turning out epic that I've picked out and looked at for so many years. So I'm super psyched at that. And and really, I've still got Saturday 
Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday day. And so I still got some time. And so we just grab our backpacks and I kind of regroup and we just keep heading back and putting the miles on and get get farther back in there and farther back in there and we're we're thinking we want to climb this ridge and look over the backside in this drainage and I look at Zach and I said you know we should really walk down to that little finger draw right there in glass it's starting to get late afternoon like maybe four or five o'clock or so and just that little bit of extra effort walking in the wrong direction to a good vantage point and we get down there and sure enough we start picking out a couple does and Zach looks at me and goes man there really should be a buck in there shouldn't there and I said oh yeah there's a buck in there somewhere we just got to find him and pretty soon then I I spot a buck down in the bottom and he's a three point you know pretty wide but he's just that three-year-old under the mark of what I want to shoot and I go no I don't I don't think that one's the one and then instantly Zach right around him says oh there's a there's a better buck he's a heavy one and I don't even see the buck the buck disappears from my eyesight and so we kind of uh, conversate back and forth and kind of go what do you look like and Zach goes I don't know he just looked heavier than that other buck and well heavier is always better that's what I'm looking for as a heavy mature deer and said well I I think we should run down there and take a look I mean worst case scenario we waste tonight's hunt on it but we know there's a buck down there that's got potential and if he's heavier than that three you know he's probably a pretty decent buck and so we we roll we decide to roll down and make a stock and roll down there and boy we played that one perfect we've still got the thermals coming up the hill and get down there and I pop over the bench and I see a doe and it's one of those deals where you can't see all the deer because there's a doe further out so the more you come up and expose yourself to see the other deer you're you're exposing yourself to that doe that's farther out you know and so we just kind of keep side hilling around this ridge and looking and pretty soon I've got four does and five does and six does and I've got them all around us and I just can't find the buck and and then and then I come over the perfect spot and there he is and he's chasing a doe up and by us and I go Zach there he is I'm I'm gonna shoot him he's a good buck and he was um I I think he was a three-point but he was super heavy and old out to his ears 24 25 wide and he was one of the three points with not the big fronts but the big back tines and so just huge backs and his back fork's got to be 10 inches if it's an inch and his you know his g2 has got to be 16 to it probably isn't 20 but probably 16 18 inches but really heavy you know five six-year-old deer deer i'm psyched with and uh so we sneak into range and it's one of those deals where we kind of got to come over the hill and expose ourselves and so instantly I'm hitting the goddamn grass with my rangefinder. I don't know why I've got to say goddamn every time I say grass, but that's how I feel when I'm hitting the grass and I'm getting five-yard ranges when he's sitting there broadside in range and I'm getting five yards, five yards, five yards. It's like, oh, could I just get a range? And so I've got to expose myself a little more and as I expose myself a little more, the deer kind of pick up on me and this is where I've learned my lesson on that for I'm gonna get a good range and I'm gonna execute a good shot and I get a good range on the buck and and it's just too it's like trying to you got an added degree of difficulty too with the cameraman and not that I'm blaming anything on Zach he did great the whole time and had a great attitude and he could stalk good he's got great bow hunting experience but you're trying to get two guys into range where they can see this buck instead of one guy you know and I, I'm I'm used to one guy and so usually I can move really slow well you know he's trying to get the buck on film and so he's exposing himself over the ridge line and I I get a decent range and dial in I think I even got drawn back didn't quite settle my pin on them and they spook and blow out of there and so 
yeah, it's just one of those deals. It was a well-executed stock, and then we just had to come up over the top. So, you know, where was my mistake on this stock? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I know he picked me out because of movement. Maybe keeping more cool and collective maybe would have been the right choice. I mean, and I'm just, I'm just throwing it out. You know, I just because, I, like I say, I'm always looking at my stocks and seeing what I can do better. And and even though I think we played this stock right and couldn't have done much better, I could have maybe been more patient. I could have kept an eye on them through the grass and, you know, waited for all the deer's heads to be down and, and then came up over the top and range found and just moved my camera, you know, move Zach slower into position and, and to get camera on them. And so maybe just slowed down those stocks in those in that last 30 seconds of the stock and not that I moved quick or I tried to move recklessly you know it, it just didn't pan out there was too many deer around you know and and the deer picked me out trying to come over the top but uh, you know if I'm being honest I think that would be where I could improve is is moving even slower even quieter in that crunch time and that that last little portion of that stock but it was a good stock and a good close call and I, w- I was psyched that time because I made sure I got a good range and I, you know, I, I was going to execute a good shot and it just didn't come together. And so we hiked up and out of there and got to the, got back to our packs and we still had a little bit of daylight left. And so we made it to the far ridge where we wanted to and started glassing around and instantly spotted a, another big heavy buck problem was is he had a busted main beam on one side so he was a nice four on one side and then a busted main beam on the other side but a a great heavy older deer and so we kind of watched him rut around and went back up and made camp and and uh you know and that's the deal on these hunts too is when you're short time you really got to make good with your mornings and your evenings they're everything and so you know every morning just like every place I hunt everywhere I go we're up you know probably too early you know an hour hour and a half before dark and I've got a good plan for the next day where we're going to hunt and looking at this new drainage that I'd never laid eyes on but it looks super muley and so we wake up an hour before daylight or hour and a half and make our way down this ridge and down this vantage point and we get down to this vantage point. We start picking out some smaller bucks. I saw a smaller four point. It was like a three year old, not quite what we're looking for. And so I was pumped. I didn't run after, you know, any of these smaller bucks, you know, sometimes I just love to bow hunt so much and I love stalking so much and love to get close. Um, you know, and it, it's tough for me. I love killing big trophies, but I also, I just, I love to get close and love to bow hunt. <laughs> I love to shoot stuff with my bow. I love to, to feed my family with it. And I, The excitement comes in the stocking, but it's it's having confidence in your abilities and confidence in your stocks that just say, you know, when I do find the buck I want, I am going to close in and close that deal. But so, anyways, held off on that buck, held off on another three-year-old, three by four, uh, maybe it was a three-point up above, all by himself up in this drainage, and see another couple two points and some does and glassing around and. And then I look in the bottom and I, I pick out just a stud buck, just a 26 to 28, probably best buck we've seen, just super heavy and he doesn't have the best forks in the world, but they're good. He's not like a total crab claw or anything, you know, but yeah, just a, a monster body, huge barrel neck on him and, and every buck we see is just chasing does. I mean, he couldn't have hit it more in the rut. It's such an exciting, thrilling time to be hunting these things and, and I've just chose, you know, with my research in this spot. 
spot I've, I've chose, you know, now we've seen, you know, four or five mature shooter bucks, you know, and I've got, you know, a legit three stocks on these, on these deer, you know, and so we see this big, heavy, gnarly buck and he's rutting these does, but instantly he's going to disappear and he's going up the draw, but there's all these micro draws, burn trees, live trees, there's all this cover and, and, you know, a lot of times you find these deer and it's about making a smart, intelligent stock. It's about being patient. And, and, uh, so I'm always, when I see a big deer that I want to kill, I want to try to relocate him. I want to try to see him. I want to try to see where he beds. I want to try to watch him. And, and then, you know, when he, when he makes a mistake or when he beds in a spot or when I think it, it's time to go all in, that's when I roll the dice and I go for it. And then it's like, um, if I mess up the stock there, I feel fine with it. Cause I wait for a high percentage play, you know, on the deer I find. And so, you know, I won't just run right after this deer. And so we go and we go the opposing hillside and can't find him, can't find him. Hour goes by and and then finally we we pick out some of the does and one of the smaller bucks in the group and we think well that's the group you know bucks got to be there somewhere but we still don't lay eyes on the buck and and he's going around the next corner and or the deer are going around the next corner and so we pick out another vantage point and by this time it's getting pretty late morning and so we roll to this good vantage point and, and uh, now it's kind of overlooking this whole backside of this deal where these deer just disappeared and it's just about picking it apart with your glass and you really don't know if you're going to find this buck again or not. You just, you're trying to play your smartest plays to relocate this buck. You're trying to get on the best vantage points that are on the opposing hillside where you can kind of move with this deer and hopefully see him bed down or see him calm down where you can make a play and we sit on this vantage point and from this vantage point a long ways off the other way we spot another good buck and he's another big and heavy looks like the one from the night before but he's not because he's so far away but he's got the big back forks and and i don't think he has any front forks or maybe a front fork on one side but he's big and heavy and old you know what i'm looking for and he's rutting a doe and there's another smaller buck in the group and we watched them for a little bit and we're still looking for this big heavy buck that we had seen in the morning and and this buck disappears back into a drainage quite a ways off you know another I don't know maybe a couple miles off or whatever and we can't really see where he beds or anything and and we're just picking apart this hillside we're thinking about going for that buck and we're seeing some does back there where these deer should be four or five does and there's a smaller two point that was that was with the group in the morning and we just can't find the bigger buck and so we sat there on the vantage point, must have been an hour or so, and, and finally pick out this big buck. And he's rutting this one doe. He's got this girlfriend he really likes and ruts her on the hillside and then goes up and then he just beds in the perfect spot. He's over the backside of a ridge. You know, the thermals are still a little dicey, but I've got confidence that by the time we get up and around them, they're going to be coming up the hill. And it's one of those deals, you know, landmarks. We've got these big boulders. We're going to come down this, you know, there's a main ridge that we're going to be behind for the whole whole time. And then we're going to come down the backside of this micro ridge that comes down, pop over the top, and he's bedded right there where we can shoot him in bow range, in close. And it's just like, man, it's like, this is the break we've been waiting for this. This is this is uh, uh this is a high percentage stock we got to go and we got to go now you know and 
watch him bed, make sure his doe's bed, make sure everything's good. There's no deer on top of the ridge. And then, you know, we start running. We, we run down the hillside, run down to the bottom, you know, where he can't see us, of course, you know, we're out of view, but we're just trying to close distance. This buck is bedded and he's kind of in the sun and I know he's going to change beds, but it's like, how long will he stay in that bed, you know, and will he stay there for 20 minutes while we get around? Yeah, I think so. So we start running down to the bottom of the hill and then cranking up the other side of the hill and making time and um, get up to the top where we're going to come down the micro ridge. And I look over and we're looking for the buck and all of a sudden I can see his face down there and he's right where we left him and said, all right, it's go time. We're less than five minutes away. So I really slow our pace as we're going down there because I know the only thing that can screw it up now is is sound. And, uh, you know, if that buck hears us, we've got a good wind and he's not going to see us till we pop over the top. And the only thing he's going to do is hear us. And we get there and we're just creeping over the top and he should be right there, you know, right in front of us. And he's just gone. I just, I don't know what went wrong on this stock. I don't. I don't know if he just got up and changed beds or moved and and went chased his does. I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess if I had to put money on it, I mean, it could have been a wind change, but I mean, I was mo- I I keep a constant monitor of the wind all the time. I'm always feeling the direction. I'm always feeling where it's switching. I'm paying attention to the thermals and the directionals and and there's just no no answer for it, you know. And now we're we're Sunday, we're midday two o'clock or so and and we've got at least four or five hours to get out of there and then gosh I you know I've got seven hours home I think Zach's got nine hours home and so we just we had got our plays and got our stocks to where it was like well I you know this is it is it is what it is you know I just I just gotta come back you know we got some good plays and some good stocks should have killed that buck you know you're a little down because it was just like you finally caught the big heavy buck in the in the right spot and he bedded and bedded in the right spot where you just knew you could kill him and, and you get over there and he isn't there. But it, it's just bow hunting, you know. It's not the first time I've I've got to a buck's bed and he isn't there and it definitely won't be the last. I, it's just it's just bow hunting. You, you even if you do everything right, you fail a lot and and you just gotta accept it and move on and you know it just is what it is. That's bow hunting. That's the challenge that I'm faced with. I could have I could have shot more multiple of these big bucks damn near every one I chased with my rifle um you know or with a rifle but I I choose to bow hunt because I I love to get close I love the excitement and the thrill of getting close um it means more to me that uh, when I when I do kill a big buck um it's just uh it's a weapon i choose not that i have anything against rifle hunting or you know i didn't i learned a ton from rifle hunting back in the years and i wouldn't trade that for anything but anymore nowadays i i want to get them with my bow or not at all that's that's where i'm at in my hunting career and it's what i love to do and so you know you've got to also accept your fate you put all these um you make it so tough on yourself using this primitive weapon that that you've almost got to accept it when you when you don't harvest something. It's like, well, yeah, you moron, you chose this way. You chose the toughest way to try to harvest one. Like, of course, you're not going to get one every time. And so, you know, it just is what it is. And I just had to have a smile on my face just to have this epic couple days of hunting on a weekend to hit it right. I mean, 
I, I always say worth the price of admission. And, and if I could get one stock on one quality buck for the entire weekend, it would be a successful endeavor and worth the price of admission. It's worth paying the gas money, driving down there. It's 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 worth everything for me just to have that one chance at a buck. And here, you know, I've had I've had three or four chances at quality bucks and they and I've learned this new spot, you know, that I that I'm just in love with back there. And I think I can even go further and find more bucks back in there. But um you know, it is what it is. It's time to grab camp and get out of here. It's middle of the day. Let's make it back to the truck. We got a long hike out of here and, and then a super long drive back home. And, and uh, you know, maybe we'll get lucky on the way out. I mean, you kind of doubt it middle of the day. It's hot, 60, 65 degrees, and, and you got your pack on and you're, you're going to go trek through the sagebrush. And so we go up and grab our camp and pack up our stuff and start rolling out of there and roll down the ridge and you know and now we're you know we've been hiking for two three hours and we're getting close to the truck we're maybe a mile out or something and drop down in this little bottom and we're gonna go up this ravine and we're walking up the last hill to the truck and and uh so we we roll up through there and all of a sudden that goes buck and right in front of us this four point pops out in front of us in this ravine middle of the day you know, kind of jumped him out of his bed or spooked him out of his bed and he starts going up the hill. He looks back at me. I'm able to get a good range and just execute a perfect shot on him. He gave me enough time. So at the at the end of this hunt, here I got this buck that jumps up in front of me, you know, right here. And, you know, he's He's probably a three-year-old buck. I saw he was a four-point. We're, you know, we're we're hiking out, and I get this last opportunity, and he stops. I'm able to get a good range, and then just lace him with a good arrow. And I, uh, the the footage was so awesome. I mean, you can just see my fletchings and the arrow, the perfect flight of the arrow all the way from me to the buck, and I just absolutely nail him. I mean, I ten ring him, and he runs over about thirty yards, and then tips over backwards, and we got the whole thing on film. And that's the thing about making these films is kind of my my new endeavor you know i did my first couple film hunts this year and then this one this one isn't for eastman's or anything this is just a personal film project where you know i might play it on their youtube channel or i really want to launch my own youtube channel but i, I this is just all new to me trying to capture my hunts and get them and i um, you know, I've only, I, like I say, this is my real year where I've really committed to it. You know, a couple years back, I, you know, I've tried it and done some hunts, some solo filming and I've, I've got some on film, but, uh, man, I just, it, it is so awesome. It just came together in the end. It was like all that hard work had paid off. Buck stood up, gave us a good shot and able to just lace him. And he, and he dumps right there and we're a mile away from the truck, you know, with our backpacks on and everything. It just happened so quick. It wasn't this precise planned out stock or anything like that. It was just an opportunity that presented itself and, and I was there to capitalize. So, um, man, it, it's just so awesome. And so, you know, the buck, he, he wasn't my biggest buck. He's like a lot of the bucks I, I kill out in Eastern Montana. He's just a decent four point. He's, he was a three year old buck, but, um, you know, I was psyched. I, I made the decision to shoot and I know I said I was holding out for a bigger deer and a, a better deer and I really was, but this, this opportunity presented itself and, and he was a nice buck and I'm super psyched to get him and, and make a good shot and have him roll over the hill. And then, you know, be, if you don't get a kill shot or harvest an animal, you know, on, on film, all your footage, you know, there's, it's hard to use all your footage and not that you can't have a hunt without a harvest on film, but this kind of completed, you know, mine and Zach's hard work 
work for the weekend or whatever, getting this buck down. Now I could put a film together with our footage and, and, and I'm just, I, I absolutely love the meat. It's all me and my family eat is, is, is a wild game. And, and, you know, a three-year-old mule deer is going to eat super good. So, um, in the end, it all came together for me just on this chance encounter of, of jumping this buck out of his bed in the end. But, um, like I said, I couldn't be happier with the results and I, you know, there too, I just didn't have a lot of time for this late season muley hunt. I had this weekend and then, you know, I had this next weekend, this one coming up. I was, I'm going to go out and hunt with my family and, and, uh, my dad's hunting partner kind of bailed on them and I haven't done many hunts with my dad this season. And so I think I'm going to, I, well, I know I am. I'm going to load up my stuff. I'm going to go with him this weekend. He has a rifle. He loves to rifle hunt big muleys. And so I'm going to team up with him and hunt. But I, I just didn't have a lot of time for this hunt. And I've got a, you know, I get a lot of time. I got nothing to complain about. But it's all about structuring yourself so you so you can have more time to enjoy this hunting season. And, you know, I work hard all year. Gosh, I'd just love to save my pennies and be able to take off more time this year and not have stress of getting back to work or, you know, at least be able to take more days. And and then I, I know I can harvest a better buck, but you know, on, on this, the weekend where I shot my deer, I got a day and a half. I go back for another day and a half for that weekend. And then, um, the weekend after that, I've got my daughter's birthday and I, you know, I won't miss that. She's going to have a party with all her friends. And so I've got to stick around for that. And then the weekend after that is the last weekend of the season. And it's Thanksgiving weekend where I've got to, I've got to hang out with my family and, and stick around and, and do Thanksgiving dinner and that, you know, which is super important to me. And then, you know, I can maybe get out that weekend for a couple of days, but in in every one of those couple days, you know, you're driving seven hours across the state and seven hours back or wherever I'm headed, not to say I'd head there for, for every weekend or whatever, you know, but, um, I just press for time and just, um, happy to get it done and fill my tag on a nice buck. And, and, uh, you know, next season, I think I'll just try to try to plan myself more time. I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, the two weeks in Alaska and, and I love the early season mule deer and elk season. And there, there's just so many hunting seasons and not enough time, but I'm just going to continually try to structure my life better to where I can have more time to chase these endeavors that I absolutely, absolutely love. And I mean, in the end, you know, you're not going to be sitting on your deathbed wishing you'd work more, you know, and you got to take care of responsibilities and you, you got to pay your bills and you got to be with your family and and uh, uh, support your family but you know there too you know my my family supports me and knows that I absolutely love it and I just want to structure my life where I can take more time to enjoy what I love and part of that is taking more time during this rut I always burn all my time and then I'm left with just a couple weekends of trying to get it done you know during the rut when it's such a fun time to chase them around and so um, and I do have one hunt coming up I've got a family vacation we're going to take in December. So I'm a little pressed for time there, but in January I've got a New Mexico tag. And so I'd really like to plan some days down there. And so I do have one more crack at killing a, a more mature four or five year old deer. And that place in New Mexico is a great tag where these mule deer migrate out of Colorado and come to this New Mexico winter range. And so I'm going to try to hold out for a good buck down there. My freezers are full. I got that deer all butchered up, um, which is a good feeling. And 
And uh, so, I, I mean, I couldn't be happier with the way it turns out. And and I don't want to make it sound like if I don't kill a giant buck, it's not a success. It's it's just it's these goals that you have that you want to continually work towards. And and I mean, the fun of it is in the challenge of challenging yourself on these more mature deer. And who doesn't get excited with with big horns and that? But um, it's just a ever evolving you know ever evolving sport. And it, it, a lot of it is about having the time to spend in the outdoors, giving yourself enough time to harvest a trophy and i you know i i definitely didn't leave myself enough time with this rut hunt but i did find just a killer spot down there and i can't wait to explore this spot more and go deeper into that country i mean um didn't even see a boot track back in there and, and there's there's more further drainages to go there's no water back in there which is good because i don't need that much water to survive and i know how to pack my water per days and you know i think there's a tip there too this is a high pressure area um, where there's a lot of deer, but a lot of these guys are truck hunting because there are roads around and easier access and you can see deer off the roads or with small hunts. And so there's no backpack hunters back there. It's pretty much as far as you can walk in a day and that's all the farther guys are going to get. And so, you know, if I implement these backpacking tactics that I'm really good at in high pressure country, that's roaded country, you know, I'm going to get away from all the pressure and with the high populations of mule deer, I mean, all you want to find is these more remote spots where they where the bucks can grow up and you can see more mature bucks and in a lot of times on this hunt that I go down there I have to sort through a lot of two and three points you know a lot of two-year-old bucks three-year-old bucks very rare do I see a four-year-old buck you know which you do find them and those are the shooter bucks I'm looking for maybe one a weekend or, or whatever but in this spot I found I found multiple mature deer that were that were four five six years old and older so i i'm just super psyched about this spot exploring this spot and then transposing this knowledge into different spots i have down there trying to get in deep and use this backpacking tactics in this high pressure country and and uh so anyways the the hunt was a success it was totally awesome and 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 so awesome when you can place a perfectly executed arrow in in an animal you're after so I, i couldn't be happier at the way it turned out and so I'm going to head down this weekend and I'm going to team up with my dad. It's really important to spend time with your family and and uh, I've been gone a lot this season and I haven't had a chance to hunt with my dad and I know my dad's hunting partner bailed on him this weekend and so I just got to got to step up and and go with him which I'm super excited about. He loves to hunt mule deer more so than anything else out there and so um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna team up with him and and uh, we're gonna go out there with his rifle and and uh, I'm thinking about going into this same spot maybe a little bit deeper in there and see if we can't find him a big buck to shoot. Um, so it it should be fun. Again, press for time. Can't even leave on Friday. I've got to finish a floor tomorrow, deliver tile, meet with clients, and then you know try to get out of here at a decent hour in afternoon or evening or whatever. Drive all night long and then backpack in and you know we'll have Saturday half a Sunday maybe the whole day Sunday if we're on a good buck or something like that but uh again press for time but you know hopefully we can get it done in a short amount of time but um man it sure is fun to to unwind and spend that time in the mountains or time in the hills you know chasing those bucks around and and to get such epic hunting and and epic rut action uh it was just awesome And, and then and Zach did so good Zach I mean what a trooper I mean he um 
This was not a paid cameraman job. This was not a paid Eastman's job. I mean, he's given up his hunting time. He drove, you know, he drove more hours than I did. I don't know, seven, eight, nine hours he had from there. I think he had seven and a half to to Billings where we met. And then a couple hours from there, um, you know, he paid for his gas up there and his gas back. And, you know, I, geez, I mean, the only thing I bought him was a, a, a burger and then paid for our gas, you know, in my truck, which I, I really should chip in and help him out with that. Or, you know, the way to repay him is to take him on a hunt or to, um, go down and film him and try to repay him that way, which I, which I need to do, you know, with, with, with friends that step up for you and help you out. And it just meant a lot to me that he was willing to drive up and film me. And he did an awesome job filming and filming, you know, it's just about caring, and then and then you guys kind of work together to get good shots that that are going to create a good film. And I mean, the kill shot is epic on this thing, and so I want to get a get this movie edited and then get it out to you guys for you guys to watch. And I don't know what platform I'm going to get it on. I just got to get working on it here, you know, so I can get something out soon for you guys to to see and see how this hunt went down and and uh, kind of put video with all the audio listening to the hunt. But uh, um, but anyways, I can't thank Zach enough. It was just so awesome for him to come up and donate his time and then capture really good footage and be a trooper, be willing to walk mile after mile, stock after stock, and, and keep a good attitude. And so, um, yeah, I really appreciate him him helping me out. And like I say, I've got a plan to, to pay him back in the future. And whether that's, you know, get him a, a Montana mule deer tag for next year and he can hunt the rut with me down there you know or or something like that or driving down into his country trying to capture some some footage of him but i need to make sure i i pay him back for for what he did and and what he's done for me so um anyways super cool super cool to capture it on video super cool hunt um so cool to get a deer down in a day and a half with my bow during rifle season i mean that is that's everything to me and and again you know uh um, you know, not to, to beat a dead horse, but I, I just, with my bow, it means so much more to me. And I would take, I take a smaller buck with my bow than I will, you know, with a rifle. It, it just, I love the stock and I love getting close and I love the challenge of it. And I, I love the flight of the arrow. I just can't help it. So, um, so super psyched at the way this hunt came out, but, but anyways, I'm, I'm running along here. I'm babbling on, I'm starting to repeat things. I just, um, uh, and just, uh, uh, wanted to get this podcast out, let you guys know how the hunt went. And then I, I think there's a bunch of good tips in there, you know, about range finding and, and how to find mature bucks. And, and, uh, so hopefully you guys got some tips out of this that'll, that'll help you out in the field and, and, uh, uh, enjoyed the podcast and enjoyed the story of this hunt. So thanks a bunch guys. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the support of the podcast and, and, and all the positive encouragement I get on, on social media and and you guys telling me what you enjoy and, and, and what you don't enjoy and giving me, um, you know, questions and things you guys want to hear about. I, I just continually want to grow this podcast and make it as good as I can make it. So, um, so honestly guys, thanks so much for, for listening and, and giving your time. And it's, it's not like a, a like on a post on Facebook. You know, I know this is an hour of your time, you know, listening to a, to a hunt podcast. So, um, just want to make sure that I'm getting you guys good tips and tactics and, and, uh, getting you what it's like to, to be out there hunting public land, do it yourself. So, um, uh, really thanks a bunch guys. I appreciate it. until the next podcast, um, hunt hard and shoot straight.